so good to see you. Um, right now, my uh, family, they are all in Japan. So I've been a bachelor. No, that sounds bad. But for this past two, three weeks, actually, I survived. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to join them from tomorrow. I'll be flying out tomorrow for 10 days, so I'll be not here next week. But we got such a wonderful team of pastors, and, and we're going to be good. And that's just another praise to God. But... Um, from the day that she, uh, my daughter left, she made me this booklet. says, To Dad, from Amelia. That's my daughter. And every day there's a slot, and each slot has a message. So that it's like a countdown to the day that I get to meet her. And the first day, she's like, oh, I miss you. It's precious. I mean, she's nine years old, and she still does that. So I'm like, man, it's melting my heart. And uh, so finally... I opened up every evening, and uh, today, it's not evening, but today's day 19, and I get to open my message. So is it okay if I do that right yeah. now? Because I don't know what message this is. So uh, uh, I'm going to open it up. and says, this is, uh, it says, uh, oh, cool. So I'm looking forward to see you. There's one more day. Yay, from Melia. So that's the message that Melia gave me this morning, and I'm just so blessed. And the reason why I share that today is that God has a message for you today. You know, I hope you could receive it. You know, it's not, it's in the form of this, the book. And today it is chapter four of Esther. And that we believe that this is the message that God has for you specifically for today. Because this message was specifically for today. It was catered to my situation today. And I didn't know what it says, but when I opened it, I realized. And this message from Esther is a message from the Lord for you today. And whether we receive it or not, whether we open it or not, is up to you. And today we want to open this together. And I really hope that uh, we could really capture what the message that God has. And we've been covering the series of Esther. And we've been in the grand theme was about this calling that God has for all of us that we've been looking for. And we are in chapter four today. And just to kind of give you a recap of what we've been talking about. Last time I was here, I shared from chapter two. And as you saw, well, chapter one, King, uh, there's King Xerxes in this kingdom. And then Queen Vashti was basically, uh, dethroned and she's no longer the uh the queen and now esther is this jewish girl who's living in this kingdom and she enters into this beauty contest and she with the plan through the the guidance of god she becomes this queen of this kingdom and how i, I mentioned that we are all invited just like esther into this kingdom but this kingdom is not the kingdom that owned by this crazy king called Xerxes, but our king, our father, God, he invites us and he calls you beautiful and says, all are invited, come to my kingdom. And that is the invitation that we have to enter into his kingdom. And this world teaches us that you need to be qualified in order to enter into what is so awesome. Like, for example, the SAT, GMAT, or, or even our GPA, it has to be a certain, you know, standard in order to get in for the qualification in order to be the best that you could be in this world and that is so different from what god teaches because he has a very important requirement to for us to enter into this kingdom but what is that requirement it is just our acceptance of god's invitation 
It's our heartful uh, desire to be part of that kingdom. Our, our, uh, Our humble receiving posture says, I want this, God. And that is the only requirement. It's not about how much good grade you have or or the income we have or or what achievements we done in our lives but it is just this humble posture of receiving so different from what this world has to offer so this morning church god is inviting us once again and his love is being ready to be poured out to you will you accept that will you receive and accept that and then not just just and then as you have this posture receiving We cannot help but to overflow into this world. But it does take courage, however, to receive and to overflow. Because that means we have to trust in God with everything in our lives. It's it's in His control. It is just we are here to receive and He pours in and we just overflow. And it's intimidating sometimes because we have our agenda, but that means we have to trust in God's agenda, in God's plan, in His wonderful, amazing plan for our lives. So we are called by God. In other words, we are invited this to this call to courage. It takes courage to trust in Him, right? Who needs courage this morning? I know I do. Let's look at the life of Esther and her father figure, whose name is Mordecai, and how they responded to God in their courage. So last week, uh, Pastor Phil was here and he shared about Mordecai. He was a Jew and he took care of Esther and he was working at the guard at the gate of King's Palace. And he was a, uh, uh, you know, very God-fearing man who loved the Lord and who obeyed and followed. And then there's this kind of this tension between him and Haman, who was King's right-hand man who king has given him all the authority so in 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 Haman honestly he's he's your typical villain who is just this control freak and and he's hungry for power he wants to to demonstrate his power to everyone and in fact king gave him all the powers and authority and he's like hey this kingdom you all bow to me and that's kind of out of line but that's what he wanted hey all bow to me says Haman but Mordecai did not bow down he stood and he because you know why he didn't bow down was his his um because he was the working for the king that his there was an allegiance to the king but his trust was in god and he didn't this was his stance before god because bowing to him means that i'm putting my back against god and so he did not bow to haman and that's where haman gets furious I mean, can you just imagine this, this power freak who is just, one person is not bowed to him. He is so angry, just, you know, because he's, Haman's thinking, is, if only you, only you could bow down, then I have everything. He was this last piece of the puzzle, but Mordecai stood in courage. So what happened was Haman asked the king,
right, so we're back on track. And now what's happening is that this king just says, okay, do whatever you want, Haman. If you want to kill them, go ahead. So the king's order was to destroy, kill, annihilate. Did I say that right? Annihilate? 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 Sorry, I knew I was wrong. Annihilate all the Jews and then also plunder their goods. I mean, it's just this ultimatum. I mean, it says you are done. Not just you, not just Haman, I'm sorry, Mordecai, but entire, of his, entire family of Haman. All the Jews in that kingdom needs to be wiped out. What kind of crazy king's order is that? I, I can't just, I can't imagine how, how that must have felt. I mean, the only thing I could come to mind was, and, and I hope this was not too, you know, it doesn't trigger too much emotion, but you know how, how the president order was made to all the Japanese American in this country that all of a sudden you have to, you have to move, you're done. But, but this right here is not just to a, a concentration camp, but wiped out, annihilate. I mean, and, and then just, just take all their goods, their, their, their freedom, their, their position, their future is all wiped out. And that was the king's order. And that leads us to Esther chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read this. It says, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one enclosed, no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter in. You see what Mordecai is doing? He is going out into the public and he is standing up for injustice that is being served. Uh, is something, injustice, not just to his people, but a disgrace to our Heavenly Father. He is standing up for that. And what is this sackcloth and ash that we see? It is a symbol of this extreme sadness and mourning and, and, and just this, because it symbolizes death. And separation, and this is what he's wearing, and in, in, in the sackcloth and ash all over, and he is going out into the public area. He is calling, he is way loud as he can, and that was his action. And obviously, that's gonna, you know, maybe a risk of being arrested right there and be killed right there. But he, he went out. He had to stand up for injustice. Sometimes that is what our action needs to be before what, what injustice is taking place. And we learn that courage from Mordecai. And what happens to the rest of the people is incredible. Because that Mordecai's courage triggers the entire Jewish community in that kingdom, in that city, to do the same. So we find in the Bible that all the other Jews came out of their, their fear and says they came out and we're going to stand up for our, 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 our king, our, our, our king, which is God. So they began to wear their sackcloth and put ashes on their head. And Esther heard about Mordecai and all what's going on with the Jews and all about the sackcloth and, 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 and she sends him, Mordecai, a clothes. Basically, he's like, here, uncle, here, dad, you know, just, just wear this. Don't, don't be, and you know what's happening right here? Why did she do that? It's because she did not understand this urgency this, this, of this situation. She quite didn't get it. Why? Because she was apart from what's going on. She was inside the safe palace of the king. And, and, and not safe, maybe, but not out there. And obviously her identity as a Jew was not known. So she was like, it was, there was a wall between her and her people. And Mordecai's response was remarkable to that. He did not accept the clothes that Esther sent, sent him. 
It's like, I'm not going to wear that. That's not happening. And that and then sends a message back to Esther. He says, hey, she, he, he clearly tells her, told her about the king's order, this edict that says we're going to be wiped out. So now you go to the king and plead for us. There was two problems for Esther. One, again, I said earlier that her identity was not revealed. So she couldn't tell people at that time. I, she had this fear of saying, if, if the people knew that she was a Jew, then it, it would because that a Jew was not supposed to be in that position, in that royal queen position. No way. So she hid her identity. So that was one problem. And then secondly, she was not supposed to or allowed to go see the king whenever she wanted. See, because when the queen did whatever she wanted in the king Xerxes' eyes, it is a target for death, basically. So she was, there was two legitimate problems that she was, she had. So there's two problems. So what was her response? Her initial response was in fear. She had fear of being rejected by the king, being rejected by by everybody, but also by the fear of death. Think about that. This is her response to Mordecai. Basically, what she's saying is, I'll go when the king allows me to come. I'll go when, when, when it is okay for me. But don't you think this is a normal response as a human being? That's human nature. You know, because what, what do we say? When, when something we know that needs to be done. But our human nature says, oh, I'll do it. When I'll do it, you know, or, or, or maybe I'll do it when it's safe. I'll, I'll calculate all the outcome. And, and when there's zero, zero risk or very low risk, I'll go. I'll do it when it's calm, nice and calm, nice and safe. That's when I'll do it. But basically what we're saying is it's me. It's what I want. It's, it's when I feel it's good. That's our attitude. And unfortunately, this is driven by fear. Because the focus is on me, not about what God wants, not about what our Heavenly Father, our Creator wants to see in His creation. It is about what the creation wants, despite the fact of what ignoring what the Creator wants. It is all driven by self-centeredness. And, and driven by fear. And is that the life that God has called us? Is that the life that God wants to bless us with? No, it's not. So what happened to Esther was God used Mordecai, his, her uncle or her father figure, to remind her about her call to courage. This is what it says in verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you, are, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. When Mordecai sent this. Obviously, he was inspired by God's Spirit. And when he wrote this, Esther, something happened. It stirred something in her heart. It, it made some emotions to arise. 
And this is where her, her response was after that. Verse 15. Can we read this together? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, this is the response of this teenage girl who, is, who had fear, legitimate fear. Of course she's scared. But this was her response when the Spirit of God, through the words of Mordecai, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, this is what happened. Number two. Oh, and, and okay, there was this conviction to respond with courage. See, what happened is the Spirit of God touched her. Check three. Okay. So that's what's going on. It's incredible how the Word of God just spoke to her and she just had this stirring of the Spirit. But I want you to know that the same Spirit of God is alive today. It is here with you. And He is trying to speak to you. The Spirit is trying to open up your heart and wants to speak, but it is the question is now to you. Will you receive that? Will you let the Spirit speak to you? Will you let the Word of God sink into you to the place where you are just with this conviction that you want to obey what God wants to do, what the calling that God has for me? And oftentimes that requires courage. December of 2013, I was getting ready for the church planting journey. Um, as it began in 2014. So at the end of December 2013, I was going around to different PCJC churches to share about that vision. And on December, I was here, standing probably here. Oh, I wasn't there. I was here. Oh, it's kind of weird. I am here right now. Oh, okay. Um, But I was here sharing to the Orange Coast Church, and I share from that same passage from Esther 4. It's, it's kind of crazy. But it was right before the church planting process began. And I, I had the chance to stay where I was at Venice Church. And, and, and the pastor there, Pastor Jim, was so gracious to me. And, you know, he, he was really training me up there. And, and I had the chance to stay. But in Adventist, we studied through Esther. And this passage from Esther 4 really stirred in something. That is this the future that God has for me here to just remain at this peaceful, nice church called Venice that was established but I felt like there was something more. And it was this passage that I, I read and that gave me the courage to step out into faith. I was so scared to do church planting because nobody around me knew what to do. I certainly didn't know what to do. It was full of fear. But I knew, I knew God was calling me back to the city that I grew up called Huntington Beach to, to start this ministry in Huntington. 
for such a time as this. That was where my life was for, which I didn't know that this was my life was all about. But at that moment, I knew this God's going to use all that thing to do this ministry here in this city. And I knew that I had to go and uh, step out and courage, but I was so scared. But with the many friends and family who supported that and and, and actually adopted that calling in their life, we began this church planting process. And that's what I shared in 2013, December, here at this from this pulpit. And because of your prayer, because of your giving, we were able to continue this. But you know, I think about that now. Because I, I stepped, I made that decision to follow God's call and courage. I'm here today. Because had I not, I said no to that. Maybe I had a nice life at Venice Church, but I certainly wouldn't be here right now. You know, the human nature is still present in me. There's a lot of fear. And I'll be honest, this transition has been, it's been difficult. And, I, and, and when it's difficult, fear seems to amplify. And I have this fear of rejection, fear of messing things up, fear of so many different things. But that's when I was assigned to preach from this passage this week, from this very passage that gave me the courage to step out in faith. And I come to this passage that I am here because God has invited me and my life was for such a time as this. I am in that position because not by accident, not by my, my just thinking that I'm supposed to be there, but it is because God has placed me. And that's why I want to live courageously, not fearfully. And I want to offer everything that I can and just to simply overflow with his love that he's been continuously pouring into me and from the place that he has placed me. I need to really think that because my human nature says I want to go where I feel comfortable. I want to go to a place where I don't, I, I, I'm, it makes sense. Where are you in your life today? Where are you being placed because God has specifically placed you there. You may think that that is by accident. You may think it is by just whatever uh, circumstance. But it is because God has specifically placed you into that specific situation that you are in. And at Mordecai did everything that he can from that position that he was in. He did whatever he can to stand up in courage, to answer, respond to the call to courage. Esther did everything that she can. Obviously, at first, she was full of fear, and she had this temptation of following her ways and the human nature, but she did what she can to step out in faith. In a way, church, you are in a royal position. Maybe you're not in this kingdom or you're sitting in a throne of a king's palace, but you are in a royal position, a prime position to respond to God, to make an impact that could help other people to see who God is. It is not you who provide the salvation, of course not, but your courage can mean something for somebody. God has called you. He's inviting you to take courage. So what is your response to his call? What will you present before God? If it is fear, it's okay. But what will you present before him so that he could give you strength?
And, you know, isn't it true that we could get overwhelmed? Like when you hear like this message about like stepping out and encouraging, just especially looking at Esther, who who was a queen and she she saved hundreds and hundreds of of, of Jews, thousands, if not millions. I mean, that had an impact. So when you see those stories or when you see people doing like marvelous things that is on the news or in the Christian community, you're like, wow, that's you get intimidated. And, and, and you're it's easy for us to like. See, what can I do? I'm nothing. I, I'm nobody. I'm not, I'm not Esther. I'm not this and that. I'm not this so-and-so. Where can we start? It doesn't have to be like Esther. In fact, it, it does never have to be compared with other person. It is your call that is specifically for you. Let me share a little story. right here is something that you probably think what what is that this is um what my son made for me i shared my daughter's creation so i had thought i had to share my son's too you know because they're they'll be fighting now so so this is his uh his thing that he gave me it's this little thing and he brought this home one day from school in this transitional kindergarten class. And he was really kind of shy about this. He was like, he didn't really want to show it to me. He was like, oh, I don't know if you're going to like it. He was like, all this. But he's like, oh, I want to see it. And he gave this to me. And he was afraid I didn't know what this was. And when I saw, I knew exactly what it was. And then when I said, oh, I said, that's, that's a ring holder, right? And he's like, yeah. And he began to share why he made this. He was so happy I asked that question. He's like, and he told me how he painted it red because it was red is my daddy's favorite color. He's like, I made this. And I made this ring holder for you because, and it was his you know, first clay you know, craft in school, so that got him excited too. But, you know, I made this because you lost mommy's ring. <laughs> yes, I, uh, the story at our house is, Mr. Toby, when he was he's still, you know, engaged to Hosanna, you know, I, I, I made this wonderful engagement ring. Or, or this was before engagement, sorry. So I, I saved up fortunes to, to, to get this ring that I designed in Japan. And it was just wonderful. And it had 27 little diamonds. And anyways, it was just beautiful creation. <laughs> little ones. But there was one big one in the middle. And that was the most expensive piece. And, and I had to go through all the four C's and everything. Anyways, you know, I, I made this. And one day, re, rather recent, maybe four or five years ago, I lost it. <laughs> Not it's not she who lost it, but it's me who lost her ring. So the story of my house is daddy loses ring, rings. I mean, I, 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 and so he's. That's why he made this for me. <laughs> and I was so proud of him. And I was like, thank you, because I knew, um, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's not perfect shape. But I knew as a father, you know, he put his effort in it. You know that that was the best thing that he could do. He gave his all to create this. I know that because I'm his father. If he made this when he was 18, then I could probably say, you could probably do a better job. But he's <laughs> five years old. And I know and his, his fingerprint is there. And, his, you know, and it's this precious thing for me. 
because this is the best that he could bring. And he thought of me and he just gave it. And yes, there was this fear of being rejected, but he just brought it out and he gave that. So I want to ask you, church, what is your thing that you want to present before your heavenly father? It could be something small. It it could be something that maybe nobody else understands, but I guarantee your Heavenly Father knows exactly where you're coming from, exactly how much effort you put. But He also knows if it's not 100%, He will know too. But if there's something, is there something, as long as it's coming from genuinely from your heart, whatever that little thing that you want to present, let's step step out in courage. Let's give that, offer that to God. Maybe it is a courage to say yes to something. Maybe it's a courage to say no to something. Maybe it's the courage to say no to injustice. Some conviction that you've been feeling and finally you're having the courage to say, no, I am not going to take that. Maybe it's a courage to love somebody who is just so hard to love. Maybe it is, some, it is the courage to forgive someone who you haven't been able to forgive. It could be small acts of courage. Going outside of your comfort zone and doing something that you would have not usually do by your human nature, by default. Maybe like inviting someone to an angel game on August 25th from 3 p.m. to do a potluck <laughs> fellowship at the Angel Stadium and invite them to church. Maybe so. Or maybe finally... Trusting in God to do something that you've always postponed. We are all called to respond to God because He is inviting you. What is your response to the call to courage? That courage will make an impact in someone's life. Just like Mordecai's courage and Esther's courage encouraged others to do the same. And eventually that will lead to somebody encountering their Savior. Like Esther, we too have this fear of rejection, don't we? It's in all of us. Fear of being rejected by others, being rejected by God. But I want you to know that our Heavenly Father will tell you that I've taken care of that part for you already. You don't have to feel you will never have to feel rejected when you come before me because you know why? My son took that for you. He was rejected on your for, for your sake. He was rejected and put on the cross so that you can be welcomed in, that I could embrace you without any harsh feeling. But because my son has been rejected, I want to embrace you. We are no longer slaves to fear. Amen. We are no longer, we don't have to worry about that rejection from God. We could boldly come before Him and say, this is the best that I got. Would you use that, God? And that could be our response. And in fact, the, the Christ who died for us has resurrected and is with us today so that we could live every day with the courage that we need. Our life cannot be driven by fear, but by the perfect love that casts out, drives out fear. Amen, church? Here's the challenge for this week. Did you read Esther 4 and Joshua 1, verse 1 through 11? And I want you to ask, what assurance do you have 
from the heavenly, from your heavenly Father. And yeah, pull out your phones, and it'll be out here after the worship, after the after the songs too. So, um, but if you can take a picture, and I want you to take this with you. And then, what is your royal position? What I mean by that is this unique place that you are in, where your action or your voice can make an impact. What is that position that is specifically given to you? And why do you think God has placed you right there? Lastly, what is your courageous response to God's call or His invitation this week? Not five weeks later, but right now. Because there will be a time where we, we can't respond. So what can you do right now with that sense of urgency that Esther had? What is the best thing that you could offer God? Let's pray. God, we do thank you for this morning. As we are once again assured by your unending love, your love, perfect love that casts out all fear, drives out the fear that is in us. We thank you for that perfect love that was given to us through your son, Jesus Christ, who was rejected in my place, in our place. So that we could come freely before our God without the fear of being rejected. So may that be our confidence. May that be our attitude when we go into this world, as we go and overflow into this world. Because there are things that we absolutely need courage to stand up in faith. But also responding to your call, we need courage, God. So I ask that you would give us that courage this morning as we continue to sing out to you. Renew us, a spirit in us. Just like the spirit that stirred up something new, something fresh in the heart of Esther. Would you do that in us today, right now, as we pray? We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.